You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. I am going to preach to you a message that I have given hints about since I've, uh, in the in three years that I've been your pastor. Um, I'm going to preach a message based on something that I talked to our teachers and workers about um, shortly after we were um, coming back from, from COVID and everything like that. Uh, so it was during that time, maybe May or June of 2020. And I've got to be honest, when I first brought up this principle and this idea, you should have seen the looks that I was getting in that teachers and workers meeting. Some looking at me like I've never heard that before. Other people looking at me like I don't agree with you at all. But I hope that you have seen, and some of you were in that teachers and workers meeting, I hope that you have seen over time that it is a, bi- a biblical principle and it, there is truth to it. Uh, but I'm preaching tonight on something, it's, and there's a word that can be associated with this, and we do not like this word in Baptist churches. Are you ready for it? Compromise. Now hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. If I have not proven to you yet in my ministry that I do not have a compromising bone in my body, I don't know what else to tell you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to you with time, but I, I'm going to preach to you on something tonight that if somebody who does not understand where I'm coming from and does not understand where the Bible is coming from, they're not going to agree. But I'm going to give you Bible principle. I'm going to give you Bible truth to show you that it is true, it is needed, and it's something that we all need to understand in our lives. I'm not talking about compromising truth. Let's put that out there from the beginning. I'm not talking about compromising truth. There are things that you never compromise in. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live at peace with all men. Do you know what that's going to require at times? That's going to require some compromise. What is compromise? Compromise is I am willing to give up a little bit of what I care about. You are willing to give up a little bit about you care, what you care about so that we can meet in the middle and do something together. So when we talk about a church that is compromising with the devil, what, what is happening? The church is saying we are willing to give up some of the things that we care about. And the devil says, I really don't like church at all. I'd rather people not be in church at all, frankly, but I'm willing to give up a little bit of what I care about if we can work together. You bring us the crowd, all right, I'll bring you the crowd, but don't you dare be teaching all this stuff. That's compromise. And the church looks back and says, well, teaching all this stuff isn't bringing the crowd. Okay, we'll do it. That's compromise, okay? Now, that is a time where compromise must never happen. But there are other times when compromise can happen, and my argument is should happen. Now, I will also say this. I don't ever think that compromise should be the end. 
I think compromise is a means to end. I think compromise is something that allows you to get somewhere that you would not otherwise be able to get to. My message is going to explain it because you're starting to get quiet on me. But go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. Without looking, does anybody know the characters that are going on right now? Jacob and Esau. Now let's think a little bit of what happened between these two. Jacob and Esau have never seemed to get along with one another. Jacob is oil, Esau's water, or Esau's oil and Jacob is water. Esau likes being outside and hunting and killing things. Jacob likes being inside and dealing with business. Jacob wants to be in a cubicle. Esau wants to be in a deer stand. They don't see eye to eye. Esau's hairy, Jacob's not. Esau's a brawny man who makes beef stew. And when Jacob wants beef stew, his mommy cooks it for him, okay? Now, Jacob is not a, a mama's boy. He, he was a savvy person. Esau was brawn. Jacob was brains. You need both. But they had never seen eye to eye. And Esau definitely didn't like it when the man's man that he was got outsmarted by little Jacob. I mean, Jacob made the guy look like a fool so many times. But Esau was a little dramatic. Jacob had a way of keeping his mind when he needed to keep it. So when Esau com comes in, I'm about to die. I need some of those beans. And Jacob says, if you're really about to die, then give me your birthright. Okay. I'm about to die. And Jacob took advantage of it. Okay, you moron. Here you go. Here's your Hormel chili and give, give me your birthright. And then Esau gets mad. And then a little later, he tricks him out of the blessing. Definitely didn't help that mom loved Jacob and dad didn't. Esau loved, or uh, Jacob loved Esau, and mom didn't. There was a rift in the family. There's a problem there. Esau comes to the conclusion, if I ever, if I ever see that kid again, he's dead. And Jacob's smart enough to know, he'll do it. He'll do it. In a fight between Jacob and Esau, Esau's winning. Esau smells you coming a mile away. He's a hunter. He knows exactly what to do, and he knows where to hide the body. It's called beef stew. God foretells Esau at one point, listen, through Jacob's blessing, he says, one day you are going to have an opportunity to get back at your brother, but you're not going to do it. And in doing that, you're going to break his yoke off from, from you. Well, the day comes where they're going to meet. And Jacob, being the planner that he is, sends messengers forward in chapter 32, verse 3. Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, into the land of Seir, the country of Edom, because Jacob has to leave Laban. Because that's not going well. Jacob has finally met his match and he's being outsmarted and he doesn't like it. So now he has to walk right through Esau's territory. 
He sends messengers. He commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. Esau would know who he was. They were family. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I might find grace in thy sight. Translated, please don't kill me. I have stuff to give you. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. Oh, boy. So Jacob connives, Jacob prays, and Jacob plans. He ends up wrestling with the Lord that night. But there's got to be this meeting. Now, the meeting goes well surprisingly well to where the only argument they have is who's going to keep the other person's present. I mean, we, we are not thinking, I mean, we're thinking that as soon as Jacob comes over the, the horizon, <laughs> and that's what Jacob is expecting. That's why he sends the people he doesn't care about first. <laughs> and I'm going to send the ugly one first, and I'm going to keep the pretty one back here. How long do you think it took for Leah to talk to him? At, never mind. Oh, my goodness. But now here's what I want to show you. After they have their meeting, Esau says, I, I want to spend time. I want to spend time with you. And he says this in verse uh, 12. And he said, Esau said to Jacob, let us take our journey. Let us go. I will go before thee. And he said unto him, Jacob now answers Esau, My Lord knoweth that the children are tender, and the flocks and herds with young are with me. And if men should overdrive them one day, all the flock will die. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servant. And notice this, and I will lead on softly. According as the cattle that goeth before me and the children be able to endure until I come unto my Lord, unto Seir. We'll get into it a little later. I've had you standing too long. Heavenly Father, please bless the preaching of your word and help me to relay this message clearly, succinctly, and, and in a way where we know what it means for us as a church. I ask this in your precious name. I need your help. Amen. All right, you may be seated. You have people that make an argument that Jacob is just straight up lying to Esau right here. That he is finding everything he can to get Esau to leave so that Jacob never sees him again. And there is this implication given because the Bible says in verse um, 15, Esau says, well, if, you're, if we're not going to be able to travel together, then let me leave some people with you. And Jacob says, no, I don't, I don't need that. But just, just let me find grace in your sight. We'll be right behind you, is what he says. And then in verse 16, Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, which where they were is straight south. And then you read in verse 17, and Jacob journeyed to Succoth, which, which is northwest. So this implication is given that Jacob is still conniving and he's still planning and he's still plotting. I'm really glad that this meeting 
went well. But maybe Esau is saying, hey, let's go, let's go home. I want to show you my home. And Jacob is thinking, death trap. So, all right, man, you go ahead, and I'll be right behind you. And Esau goes down, and he says, let's get out of here. Now, the implication is definitely given, and I would not put it past Jacob. I would not put it past him. If that is the case, Jacob is still giving an incredible principle here that I want to bring out. But if you do read a little bit later, Jacob and Esau still have some cordiality with one another. And it all started with this meeting. Just a couple chapters later, dad dies and Jacob and Esau um, bury them together, bury him together. Don't you think that meeting would be a little awkward? Hey, bro, thought you said you were going to be in Seir with me. Where'd you go? That would take a lot of explaining. Now Jacob is good at explaining his way out of problems. He was like the Bill Clinton of the Old Testament. <laughs> But then if you read in chapter 36, if you read in chapter 36 where it's going through Esau's um, lineage, it's going through Esau's um, ancestry, it mentions this, Esau and Jacob could no longer live in the same place because they had too many things. So the Bible does give an implication that after this, that at some point they tried to coexist and they tried to inhabit the same spot, but they, they grew too much for each other. So regardless, I wanted, to, I wanted to address that because some people say Jacob was just straight up lying here. It does not negate the principle that I'm going to bring out to you. I would say there's also argument that maybe he did go down to him and it didn't work out and so he ended up moving on. So just something for you to know. Tonight's principle is for the family and the home and it will touch everybody here. But it certainly mainly focuses on those who are leaders. Now, before you count yourself out of that group, I want you to understand the vast majority of the people in here are leaders in some way or another. Are you a husband? Then you're a leader of your wife. Are you a parent? Then you're a leader of your kids. Are you an older sibling? then you are a leader to your younger sibling. Are you the youngest sibling? You're a spoiled brat. <laughs> if you are an elder employee, you are a leader to the newer employees. They are looking to you to set an example. If you're a boss, you're a leader to your employees. If you're a manager, you're a leader to your team. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you are a leader to your class. If you are a, a pastor, I'm a leader to the members. If you are an elder Christian, and not elder as in physical age, but elder as in your spiritual age, then you are a leader to those who have not been saved as long as you are. So you are a leader in some way or another. And as a leader, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. When you lead, you are going to have people follow you who are at different stages of growth. Some of them are going to be older. Some of them are going to be younger. Again, not always physically, maybe spiritually, maybe tenure-wise. But you are going to lead people who are at different stages of growth. Some older, some younger. Some bigger, some smaller. 
And because they are at different stages of growth, they will have different levels of strength. They will handle things differently than other people handle things. Some people will be very strong that you lead. Some of your kids will be very strong. Some of your kids will be very weak. One kid might be very strong in one area, but then very weak in another. But then you have another kid who's actually very strong in this area, but very weak in this area. You might have a child that's very strong all the way around. You might have a child that's very weak all the way around. In your Sunday school class, you might have some strong class members, and you might have some weak class members, but they are at different stages of growth, and therefore they are going to have different levels of strength. And because of that, they are going to handle life differently. You might present the same problem to child A that you present to child B. Child A might handle it perfectly without skipping a beat. It might wreck child B's life. You might go up and have a stern conversation with employee A, and they take it just fine. Yes, sir, I apologize. I'll never do that again. You have that same conversation, same tone, same care, same everything, that you, and you do it to employee B, and they shut down. So what do you do at that point? Write off employee B, kick them to the curb, Leave them alone. I have no time for you, and I'm going to find somebody more like employee A. Wait a second. Wait a second. If you do that, the very next week, you might go and ask employee A something, and they completely shut down because they can handle being reprimanded, but they can't handle being asked something. That's where employee B would have come in. That was their strength. That's their weakness. And just because they're weak where they are strong doesn't mean that they're strong in every area. So you can't just write somebody off because they're weak, and you can't always depend on somebody because they're strong in one area. When you are leading people, they're going to be at different stages of growth, different levels of strength, and they will handle life, the same life, very differently. And unless you understand this principle as a leader in your home, in your family, in, in church, un unless you understand this with me as your leader, even as a follower, this will help you to be a follower, this principle. If you don't understand this, you will not have people following you for long. And here's the principle. Lead, don't drive. Lead, don't drive. Driving is pushing. Driving is yelling. Driving is demanding. Driving is pointing. Go that way. Come on. Go, go, go. Leading is, this is deep, leading. Not behind the person pushing, in front of the person leading. It's not yelling. It's talking. It's not demanding. It, it, it's, it's teaching this is, where, this is where we go. Driving is, this is what you do. Leading is, this is what we do. 
This is where we go, and this is how we do it. This is not only what we do, but why we do it, and, and when we do it, and where we do it. It's all not just the facts, but it's the reason behind it. Leading is not pointing, it's, it's holding. Like when you're teaching your child to walk for the first time, what do you do? You put out your two hands, and they grab on, and you slowly, you are leading your child. Lead, don't drive. Think about these two groups with me. At the very basic core, what we have here in this, in this story, is we have two groups that have met. You have Esau's group, led by a man of the field, who has lived outdoors. He knows what it's like to be outside under the stars and sleep with nothing but a campfire and skewer grasshoppers and eat them for dinner. He, he knows how to do all of that. And he's got 400 who with him? Men. That's Esau's group. Jacob has wives, kids, very young kids, older kids. He's got cattle. He's got flocks that in his, in his description is tender. They're, the children are tender. And Esau says, hey, I want to make a journey. Let's go. And I'll take the lead. Esau, that's easy for you to say. You know the area and you've got 400 men with you. Jacob says over here, look, uh, if we want to make that journey, that's fine. But my group can't handle that journey the way that your group can. Your, your group might be able to push forward and just, just go, 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 go. you got 400 men with you. I've got kids. And I've got flock and I've got cattle. And cattle, oh man, wow, I have no clue. I've got cattle. And he says this, and if men overdrive them, if I push them to keep up with you, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. They can't handle it. You go ahead and I'm going to lead on softly according to what these people can handle. Now, here's where it comes in, and maybe people say he was straight up lying. But here's the principle. Here's what Jacob is saying. Maybe he's lying, maybe he's telling the truth. But here's the principle. He's saying, I'm all for the direction. I'm all for the direction. I want to go and make the same journey that you want to make. But you need to understand, you can handle that a lot better than we can. So go, we'll be right behind you, but I've got to take care of these people here. I am not compromising direction, but we need to agree on a pace. Does that make sense? We are not compromising direction, but we need to agree on a pace. And Esau, if you can't agree to slow down for my kids and my family, you just need to go on ahead. And we'll be right behind you. So when you are a leader, you have two jobs. I have two jobs as, I have two jobs according to this message here, okay? Um, and you have two jobs as a leader that I wanna bring out today. Job number one for you as a leader of your family, of your home, of your marriage, of your, of your work, whatever it is, job number one, you need to convince the weak of their need to get stronger. 
but don't push them too hard. You need to convince the weak of their need to get stronger, but if you push them too hard, you're going to kill them. And it's going to take time. It's going to take time for some people. I'm sure Jacob had some people in his group that could have kept up with the best of Esau's group. But he had others who couldn't. So we have to think of the group here. We have to think of this as a whole. Families, you have some kids that can handle just, they, they can handle problems and they can handle this. And they can, you have some kids that don't handle them very well. You have some kids that are very mature in some areas, some kids who are very immature in other areas. Your wife might be very strong in one area, very weak in another. And if you're constantly pushing, pushing, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself, but if you're constantly pushing, 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 and you're not patient, you're going to drive her crazy. But this is the direction that we need to go. I know that it's the direction we need to go. I agree with the direction. But we need to agree on a pace here. And when you are a leader, you have to convince the weak. We need to become stronger. But you cannot push them too hard. It's going to take them time. The journey must be made. Jacob had to look. We've got to look at these weaker children and these newer employees and newer members of our church and newer converts in our church and tell them there is a journey to be made. And the best way to get stronger is just by making the journey. But if we're running, running, running because we can handle it because we're older Christians, the newer Christian is going to be overwhelmed. We want them to get stronger, don't we? They can't stay weak. We know that. It's not good for them. It's not good for us. They need to become stronger. Now, there are two ways for people to stay weak. The first way that the weak stay weak is that they have no weight at all. They are never strained in any way. We're just going to do everything the way that you want to do it. And you know what a weak person says? I don't want to make the journey. We can't, we can't compromise that far. No, there is a journey that needs to be made, and you need to get stronger. You need to convince them of that. You need to convince the child that struggles in one area, or the newer employer, or the newer convert, the weaker person in your class. You need to convince them, we need to grow. We need to go forward. If we put no weight at all on you, you will always stay weak. And the person might look back and say this, well, can't we go this other way then? This other way seems easier. You know, it would be easier for me as a new member of the church if we let down the standards a little bit. It would be easier for me. It would be easier for me if we used an updated Bible version. It's easier for me to understand. It's easier for me if you don't, if you don't pastor me. You know, boss, I'm glad to be here, but all these rules and regulations, it would be a lot easier if we just did away with those, wouldn't it? No, 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 no. At that point, you're letting the follower lead. The leader needs to lead. And you have to be able to look back and say, no, this is the way that we are going. We are not compromising on our direction because we can't compromise on our direction without changing our destination. It's impossible. Churches right now are thinking we're just compromising our direction, but we're all going to heaven. They're going to find out. 
This road did not lead where I thought it was going to lead. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. People need a leader to look back at them, but with patience and say, no, 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 no. We don't go that way because that might be the easier way, but if we take the easier way, you'll never get stronger. This is the journey that we need to make. This is the direction that we need to go. We'll take our time, but you've got to get stronger. It's only going to be better for you. Now, God's way isn't hard just because. God's way isn't difficult just because he wants to put us through the ringer. When God first brought the Israelites out of Egypt, the Bible says he did not lead them through the land of the Philistines because they would have had to face war. And he says they're not ready for that. So I'm going to, and he said, it, the Bible says he did not lead them through the, the, the way of the Philistines, though it was closer because he knew they couldn't handle it at the, at the moment, so they go around. Now you say, oh, see, they changed direction. No, that was God's way. That was God's way. And what I'm trying to show you is that God's way can be difficult. In fact, for the most part, God's way is usually more difficult than man's way. But God is not doing that because he doesn't care and says, just get over it. He's not just making it hard to make things hard for no reason. Sometimes it's hard. And the weak need to understand, you are only weak because you've never strained yourself. You know why I don't have muscles? I've never picked up weights. I've never strained myself. And I'm going to remain weak if I do not strain myself. And you as a leader need to understand that you need to teach some people. This is the direction that we're going and you have got to grow stronger. But here's another thing you need to do as a leader. You have to look at the strong and teach them how to be patient with the weak. Because one way that weak stay weak is when there's no weight at all. But another way that weak stay weak is when there's too much weight all at once. When the weak are not given any weight, it makes them comfortable and they think I never need to change. But when you pile way too much on the weak, they're discouraged because they see the strong carrying everything and they feel like a failure and they quit. And that's why God said, I'm not going to lead them through the way of the Philistines because it's going to be too much for them too quickly and they will repent from following me, is what the Bible says. So the strong need to understand, just like the weak need to understand, you need to get stronger. The strong need to understand, you need to be patient with the weak. Because let me remind you, you were weak at some point. And the only reason you're strong today is because somebody was patient with you when you were weak. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are so spiritual... Write them off. Kick them while they're down. Rub it in. Ye which are spiritual, restore such in one. Romans 15.1 says this. We then that are strong ought to bear 
the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. You who are so strong, the weak are going to need your strength to make up for their weakness. And you will not do that if you're constantly yelling at them about how worthless they are and not coming and bearing what they cannot handle just yet. When you have a newborn baby, do you expect them to carry all their weight right away? No, you carry that baby. You see women who look like they wouldn't be able to pick up a, a bag of groceries. And they go up to this, this car seat that's as big as this chair. And they're walking into church. And they just got it on one hip. I don't have hips. They have it on one hip. And they're doing all this other stuff. And so me as a gentleman, because chivalry's not dead, I go over and I say, oh, let me help you with the, with the little one. And I'm like, <laughs> women, women, you're not looking at your, your one-year-old and saying, you know what, I'm sick of carrying you. Pull your own weight. You don't walk into church, you're starving. You don't do that. They're going to be bow-legged. <laughs> you got to give them time. You have to give them time to grow stronger. And how do they grow stronger? By you bearing their infirmities and feeding them and doing for them what they should be able to do for themselves. They will one day. But they won't one day if you don't help them. So what do you do with the kid? What do you do with your one-year-old? Here's a ribeye steak. Enjoy. No, too much, too quick. You got to cut things up. You got to put it in a blender. You got to put it in the microwave. You got to steam it. You got to, whatever you're making, you cut it smaller and you make it mushy. Well, that's so inconvenient. Do you want your kid to get stronger or not? So you have this new employee. I feel like I always have to be over them and I always have to help them with this. And they have constant questions. Well, do you want them to become one of your strong employees or not? And if you do, they're going to need to rely on your strength for a little bit and you're going to need to be patient. Now, if they're constantly saying, oh, I don't want to do it that way, and I don't want to, okay, then at that point, you're fired. You want to stay weak? I'm trying to help you to be strong. I'm trying to help you here. If you have kids who are behind in some areas, if you want them to grow stronger, if your wife or your husband is behind in some areas, if you have a ministry helper that is behind in some areas, do you want them to get stronger or not? Well, if that's the case, you've got to be patient with them and give them time to develop. Just as you could not expect a baby to carry his own weight, you can't expect a baby Christian to know all the answers right away. You can't expect a baby Christian, the week after they are saved, to sit down and say, all right, let's talk about eschatology here. They're going to think, is that a disease? Or Let's talk about Bible versions. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about why we use the flat back King James, black 66, blah, 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 blah. Okay. You should have heard people up in arms at times when they come up to me. So-and-so was sitting next to me with an ESV. I'm like, bro, they just got saved last week. Got to give them some time here. It's, it's going to take some time. 
Well, as long as you let them do that, you're condoning it. No, 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 no. I disagree. I disagree. There's a direction that we're going, and I'm going to talk to that person and say there's a journey that needs to be made. And you're going to need to put that down. But if we come up to them right away, you're wrong here, you're wrong here, you're wrong there, you're wrong there, you're wrong, 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 wrong. What are they going to say? They've just come out of Egypt. It's going to take some time to get Egypt out of them. They didn't, the only gods that they knew were the sun and the frog and, and, and everything. The only dress that they knew was Egypt's dress. And the only drink they knew was Egypt's drink. And the only language they knew when they stubbed their toe was Egypt's language when they stubbed their toe. And sometimes they say it in church. I've heard it before. So, man, that was some blankety-blank good preaching. Thank you. Or, or you have a weak Christian come up to you and say, Hey, Pastor, did you, did you see that movie the other day? And I know it's rated R. Did you see that movie the other day? Let me tell you something, you compromiser. You claim the name of Christ, and you're going to the theater. Here's an altar where you can die. <laughs> you know what I do? I look back and say, no, I haven't seen that one. Nope, haven't seen it. Now, a little later, I'm going to go up and I'm going to talk to him about theaters. And I'm going to talk to him about, it's not just abstaining from evil, it's abstaining from the appearance of evil. But how am I going to teach them to abstain from the appearance of evil where I haven't even had time to teach them about abstaining from evil yet? It's going to take time. So here, here's, I, I have much more to say. But what it comes down to is one thing is important with these weaker people. One thing is important. Ye who are spiritual, one thing is important. What direction are they going? What direction are they going? Well, they look like Egypt and they smell like Egypt and they talk like Egypt and they. Oh, are they on their way to Canaan? Are they walking to Canaan? That's what I care about. Because each step they take toward Canaan, they'll look less and less like Egypt. But you've got to give them time. The ship of sin in somebody's life is a big boat going in one direction for a long time. You can't turn that right away. People come here and they get saved who are addicted to drugs. They're not going to drop that the next week. They're going to come in here smelling like smoke and alcohol and everything. Let me tell you, I'm not going to hang around that person. Wait a second. Ye which are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Well, that just doesn't, that just doesn't fly with me. And not to please ourselves. I want you strong people to remember. Don't get frustrated with the new converts. Don't get frustrated with your younger siblings who are three, four years younger than you, and they're just so immature. Think about what you were three or four years ago. Parents, don't get angry at your kids who are a little slower 
than your other kid? Look, you know how it is. Your firstborn gives you the confidence to have another. Your secondborn teaches you not to judge other parents. I was the secondborn. Don't get mad because, man, I told child A and they got it right away, and child B, I feel like I got a. It's going to take them some time. You have to be honest. There are some things with child A where you have to. Don't get mad at your new employees who need some extra training. The only reason you have tender, tenured employees is because somebody was patient with them and gave them training. Yeah, that's right. Would you say God has blessed us with some strong members? Yeah. You were once weak. And somebody bore your infirmities and was patient with you. When my mom first was saved and she started getting into church, she wore pants. She didn't know any better. Nobody had ever taught her for, for a long time. She didn't have any dress standards. And the preacher came over trying to get this guy to come to church because he wouldn't because he's stubborn. <laughs> and mom said for, for a long time, preacher would come over and I would open the door in pants. I would open the door in some, sometimes in things that were very inappropriate. Preacher never said a word. Lady, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. So I didn't go to Sunday night and Wednesday night services for a very long time. Nobody ever got on to me. If somebody would have, I know my mom's personality, if, some, if she would have walked in and somebody would have said, you're not here Sunday night, you're not here Wednesday night, you're a compromiser, she would have been gone. And you wouldn't have a pastor today. Somebody bore her infirmities and was patient. Here's what you need to remember. Remember that even the strong have their breaking point. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You need to stop standing over here in your strength that you have no right to attribute to yourself. You need to stop standing over here condemning other people's faults, and you need to start considering the faultiness of yourself. Stop, con stop condemning the faults of others and start considering the faultiness of yourself. Even strong people have their breaking point. Two, remember that strength today does not guarantee strength tomorrow. You might be standing over here with Esau's group one day. You might the very next day be standing over here as a young and tender child that needs to be carried. Let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. Remember that strength in one area does not guarantee strength in other areas. So you're going to look down your nose at a new convert that doesn't know this and doesn't know that and doesn't know this. And <laughs> so I'm not going to associate with them. But you know what? There are some areas where this new convert has got you beat. Sometimes I see a lot of old converts and here's how they sit in church. your songbooks.
Sunlight all of my journey over the mountain. Oh, but you know that there are 66 books in the Bible, and you know that the King James Version is the plenary, verbal, inspired word of God for the English-speaking people. Yeah, you know all that, but you know what that new convert's doing over here at ch in church? And they've got their pen out, and they stand up. Walking in round me, shadows a journey over the d deep. Jesus has said, I'll never forsake, ever, I'm, never can fail. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sun. I'd rather that. So just because you're strong in one area doesn't mean you're strong in others. They got you beaten a lot. And in fact, if you keep that up and they keep that up, one day you're going to be looking up at them. And remember, your leader, Jesus Christ, knows all of your weaknesses. And he's never once pushed you. He has never once pushed you. He leadeth me beside the still waters. You know why? Because if there's any ripple to the water, a sheep won't drink. Well, that's inconvenient. That's what a sheep needs. So the shepherd leads to where the sheep can grow and where it can become stronger. He knows what you can handle. He told his disciples at one point, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth has come, he will teach you all things. One day you'll be ready. And at that point, I'm going to teach you more. But right now, if I tell you everything, I'd kill you. I'd hurt you. Jesus never got impatient. He convinced them, you need to get stronger. And one day you will, if you keep following. But he had to be patient, and he was patient. The only reason we can claim strength today is because someone, and certainly our Savior, was very patient with us. Now here's where I'm going to make some people mad. And exactly zero cares were given. Because I've got Bible behind me. When I have an older Christian come up to me, did you see what sister so-and-so was wearing the other day? She was wearing a skirt that was two inches too short. Two inches! And the lady who's saying it was wearing those same things but five, six years ago. And nobody came down on her. They gave her time. Oh, but I think that they should be further than that. Well, they're not. So, Pastor, what are you going to do about it? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to them about it. That they need to grow in that area. I do believe in dress standards. Look, nakedness starts at the thigh. That is what the Bible teaches. Nakedness starts at the thigh. So we teach ladies to wear dresses below the knee. Below the knee. If you wear them right at the knee, are you showing nakedness 
No, but you're skirting the line. We don't do that. You're, no pun intended. <laughs> we don't do that. Wear them below the knee because then when you sit down, they don't come above. That is what we teach. And that is what we want to get everybody to because we believe that is biblical modesty. Some people are going to jump on that right away. Some people are going to take some time. I'm going to talk to them about their need for that. They need to grow in that area. But I'm also going to tell you, be patient. Be patient with them. Maybe they've never been taught before. Maybe they've never been taught that before. And you know what? Every single lady that I know that has dress standards, not one of them has ever said, I have dress standards because the pastor preached this message. You know what it came down to? The Lord worked on my heart. And that takes time. If the Lord is willing to take time to work on their heart, certainly we should be willing to give him time to work. We're not their Holy Spirit. Well, as long as you're letting them do that, and as long as you're letting them go there, and as long as you're letting them, you are condoning it. You can think that if you want. I will prove to you as your pastor, no, I don't have a compromising bone in my body. I don't want to change our direction. But I am okay with being patient with people that haven't been taught yet. I'm not condoning it. Let me ask you this. Is God for divorce? Yes or no? Is God for divorce? Then why are there laws in the Old Testament about divorce? If God doesn't like it, why are there laws about it? How about this? Is God for multiple wives? Then why are there laws in the Old Testament about how to handle multiple wives? Why? Is it because God's condoning it? No, Jesus says, because of the hardness of your hearts. Because you weren't strong enough. When God brought those Israelites out of Egypt, he knew it's going to take evolution, not revolution. May I remind you, Jesus, God did not lead them through the land of the Philistines because he didn't want to make it too hard. He chose, in a way, the easier path, and they still wanted to quit. God is not condoning those things by being patient. Patience is not always permission. Patience can just be patience. Aren't we glad God's patient with us? When he comes to our fig tree and says, I've been looking for fruit on this for three years and it has not brought anything, why cumbereth it the ground? Lord, please be patient. His patience for those three years was not permission. I need to see growth. And if I don't see growth, and that's the thing. With weak people over here, you're trying to get them to walk to Canaan. If you come and you talk to them about their dress, and you talk to them about their language, you talk to them about their addictions, you talk to them about all these areas that they need to grow in, and they say, you know what, I want to go back to Egypt. At that point, you let them go. You let them go. We're not here to go to Egypt. We're here to go to Canaan. If it takes them a little bit longer, that's fine. You just better be walking in the right direction. We do not compromise on direction. But folks, we can compromise on pace. 
Now, you can apply that to your family in your home however you want to, but here is why I'm preaching this tonight. I have taught you that every church needs to grow in three areas. It needs to grow numerically, it needs to grow financially, and it needs to grow spiritually. And it needs to grow in those areas constantly. Right now is not a time of financial growth in our church. God has blessed financially in our church. Right now is not a time of financial growth. We, we will need to grow financially at some point. Right now is not a time of numerical growth in our church. You've noticed that. We haven't seen a lot of people come and join. We haven't seen influxes like we have recently. And sometimes you think, oh, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's nothing wrong. It means there's, is, there's an area of spiritual growth that we must, as a church, grow in. If we do, the numerical will come. But why is God going to send more people if the people we have now aren't even where they need to be? And here's the lesson that I want you to learn. We have a lot of new people here, a lot of new converts, a lot of people who need to be taught in some areas. I, as a pastor, see the need. We need to grow there. We need to grow there. That can't continue. We need to move past that, and we, we need to go. We need to go. We need to go. We have a journey that we need to make. But I also need to look at you, the stronger, and say, guys, be patient with them. Be patient with them. Pray for them. When you see a new family that joins, and for the first month, they are every single service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but then they drop off for a little bit. And you don't see them all the time. When they come back, don't shut them out. Oh, but they're not faithful. Well, folks, they're weak. They're weak, and you which are strong ought to bear their infirmities. Well, they're missing it. Are you missing them? That's what they need to know. Not that they're missing church, but that you are missing them. You know what, the, you know what especially, the, especially the Baptist church has a problem with? We stand up on our authoritarian, you shouldn't do that! Instead of loving a person. Always pointing out people's weaknesses and not helping them to become strong. I'm glad the Lord isn't that way with us. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, church, let me say this right here, just in case I'm worrying any of you. If you ever see me start to compromise my standards, my convictions, and start capitulating to the weak and telling the strong just to get over it, I'm going wrong. Guys, it's a compromise. It's a compromise. The strong needs to say, we're willing to go a little slower for their sake. But I also need to convince these people, you need to pick up the pace for their sake. If we can't agree on that, then you know who I'm going to side with? The one that's willing to move forward. But if I push too hard, I'm going to kill them. If I go too slow, I'm going to tick them off. It's a balance that I need to find and I need you to trust me with just as, you, just as the Lord trusts you to do it with your family and just like your company trusts you to do it with your employees. You have to find a way. 
The direction is set. We cannot change that. But guys over here, you need to be willing to slow up a little bit. Guys over here, you need to be willing to pick up the pace. But we've got to move forward. That's why the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd, because people are sheep. You don't drive sheep, you drive cattle. You lead sheep. Here's the question for the strong and the weak. What direction are we walking? Are we walking according to God's word? Are we patient where we should be patient? I'm not talking about being patient at the, at the expense of truth. I'm not talking about that. Are we being patient where we should be patient and are we walking the proper direction? Well, it's just not as fast as I'd like it to be. You're not a leader. You're not a leader then. You've got to be patient with some. You have to lead on softly. Because if you just push, 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 the person that you're pushing is going to hate the journey the entire way. And even if that new convert gets to where you want them to be, they're going to get there only because you told them, only because you forced their body to change and you didn't give God time to change their heart. And that's never going to last. So strong, we got to agree. We're willing to go a little slower if that's what it takes for a growing church for new people to come in and learn these things. We're willing to put up with some of that. It's part of having a growing church. But then we also need to convince these new people, hey, at one time I was weak, but let me tell you, there are benefits to just following God. You get stronger and it makes it easier. It really does. We've just got to move forward. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.